always say it, NFL teams only have to be honest with us through their wallets, for agency, and draft picks. Well, guess what? The 2022 NFL Draft is complete. So Hayden Winks today, after grinding the depth charts, after grinding these post-draft press conferences, we go team by team in the AFC from our seat to determine what these teams are currently and, and who they want to be. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, question for you. Yeah. Do we think that they are honest in their press conferences? It yeah. seems like there's a little bit of like something kind of slips out of their mouth or they kind of like peel back the curtain a little bit. So I think that's kind of the, the third layer of when they're honest too. Great question. Before we get into everything, I'll answer it. Um, I think that these general managers and head coaches are so freaking relieved after working and trying to be secretive for, you know, the last few months and not telling us anything that they are a little bit more honest about, you know, their process, how they land on a pick when they decide to trade out so on and so forth. So I, I really do think that we get a little glimpse more behind the curtain than typical in these post-draft pressers. We'll have a few of those clips and a few of those quotes as we go along again, it's the AFC today with the NFC on Thursday. Appreciate you all being here. If you enjoy it, subscribe to the channel. We've got awesome breakdowns of all the players your team's just picked down below and a bunch of other great content. Okay, alphabetical order. We'll start off with the Baltimore Ravens, Eric DaCosta, Mr. Harbaugh. We got better tonight was the quote. Hayden, they drafted, in their eyes, the best players at two positions in the draft. Cal Hamilton at safety, Tyler Linderbaum at center. But we need to focus on this Marquise Brown trade. Hollywood came to general manager Eric DaCosta after the season and requested the trade. He wanted to play elsewhere. Um, they had it actually the deal agreed to days before earlier that week, they kept it quiet. So he could travel to Arizona on draft night. Not only does what this mean for, you know, Lamar Jackson, but Hayden, the rest of the wide receiver room that they really didn't add to this past weekend. Yeah. I think this is the big takeaway is they, they just kept scooping up value. And I understand like Kyle Hamilton was a great pick. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum was by far the best center in the class. They needed upgrades at both of those positions. They're very important positions to both those offenses and defenses. David Ojabo slipped down. He can be a first-round type of player if he can uh, rehab with his Achilles. But there is one massive opening, and that is at wide receiver. And right now, uh, Rashad Bateman has went to the moon. We, coming out of school, thought Rashad Bateman could be a number one X receiver. He can block, which is going to be super important for this offense. Behind him is the question. And right now, it's Devin DuVernay, who's been historically a slot. I think he's one of the most underrated players. If you watch him, he's a fun player, a special teams guy, but he's a little bit stockier where I think he can play in two wide receiver sets. He's going very late in best ball drafts right now. I really like him. And then it's Tylen Wallace. And Tylen Wallace was somebody that carried me to college football uh, or college fantasy football uh, tournament wins. But he has had so many injuries, didn't do anything as a rookie. He's kind of penciled in to that number two or number three. So I'm curious if the press conferences, if we got anything about who's going to be the number two receiver, because right now I think it's Devin Duvernay. And if that's true, he's an absolute smash in best ball right now. Yeah, it's not just what they say about the new players. It's what they say about the players already on the roster. Um, Eric DaCosta said that we took Rashad Bateman in round one last year, and we think he's going to show you why. And they actually would have taken Tylen Wallace, again, this is according to them, a round and a half earlier than they selected him last year. And I think, what, that was around four, round five selection. Um, you know, James Prochet is on the roster. You mentioned Dever Duver Devin Duvernay, who they believe that his best football is, is ahead of him. I believe he made the Pro Bowl as a, as a special teamer. Um, I also found it interesting, though, that they were, because Peter King had an inside 
you know, report on the Ravens in his Monday morning quarterback and in round four that they were prepared to draft Calvin Austin. We know the smaller outside wide receiver who has vertical juice and vertical speed. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers selected him one pick ahead of him. Uh, I'm totally agree with you that they selected value. That's kind of the Ravens way of doing things, but I highly doubt that they are done. I highly doubt that they are done at this point. You know, there's a bunch of veteran wide receivers out there in the market. We can throw out Julio Jones's name, Will Fuller's name, maybe even a trade for, for Robbie Anderson. This has all been mentioned in our circles. And I don't think a lot of these are going to happen until, you know, maybe June 1st with some of the trades. And obviously yep. now when the compensatory picks are, are, are kind of a wash, but the winner here, other than Mark Andrews is Rashad Bateman. I mean, oh, what yeah. we saw in just a tiny little sample, a little microcosm of him moving the chains it's a standout and just more opportunity on top of that. No doubt in my mind, outside to inside player who wins with versatility, he will emerge no matter who they bring in, I believe, as their number one wide receiver. Yeah, they just need a deep threat. Rashad Bateman's going to handle all the stuff. Same thing with Mark Andrews within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. They need somebody to take the top off. That's why I like Will Fuller as the best fit here, but Julio Jones would, would solidify. But that is a low-volume role in this offense. I think the other thing we need to talk about is the they drafted two tight ends yep. later on, on day three, uh, Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely. Both of them are receiving types. They're kind of direct backups to Mark Andrews, but the reason why they did that is this team's going to be using two tight ends and three tight ends on the field a lot. I think that we're going to see Mark Andrews split out wide a ton just because they have to. Nothing new there, but I think the other thing is Nick Boyle comes back. He's one of the considered one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. Obviously, they drafted uh, Tyler Linderbaum in round one, this team's going to run the ball more this year. I think we're going to get closer back to the 2020 and 2019 tendencies. Last year was a little bit different where they passed the ball a ton, but that's almost because, had to because like, Devontae yeah. Freeman had 133 carries. I mean, Latavius Murray had 119 carries last year. Yeah, they they were pushing running backs don't matter to the limit last year. And they, <laughs> they decided, oh, they actually do matter a little bit. So we're going to get uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Bus back. Gus Bus makes a lot of money. I think it's going to be a one-two committee. I think that we're going to see instead of whatever they were like uh, top 15 in neutral pass rate last year, probably go back down to bottom 10. So we're gonna have to make some adjustments here, but Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, maybe a sprinkle of Devin Duvernay. We'll see what they do at wide receiver three. couple quick notes before we move on. They thought Kyle Hamilton was a top four or five selection in this entire draft, top four or five talent in, in the entire, entire 2022 NFL draft. And it's odd, you know, we see all these other teams kind of hold their ground and, and be firm with a lot of these trade requests, but the Ravens almost wanted to accommodate players when they can. And they accommodated Marquise Brown on this to get him, you know, with, with Kyler Murray. We have a whole bunch more on the Cardinals end of that equation again on Thursday. Um, and quickly, David Ajabo, obviously if they'll have information, hardball connection, Travis Jones, if they didn't take Jordan Davis in round one, that massive defensive tackle, it makes sense that they add them in, uh, in day two. Okay. Buffalo Bills time. Tiger Elam, they traded up just a couple spots in order to lock him down. He was their final first-round grade in the top 32. Makes total sense. Some of us projected that. Um, then we get to James Cook. Hayden, in these early dynasty drafts that I've seen, in these early best ball drafts that I've seen, you know, I've been infatuated and a little bit obsessed with this role that J.D. McKissick was going to have on the Buffalo Bills because it's a player – that Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, whoever else had had not really targeted in the past. And he's kind of a unique player. And from the words of Brandon Bean that we're about to hear right now, it's very clear that James Cook is going to fulfill that role. His best skill set as a sub back, but um, 
I think he can handle carries too if we want to if we want to give him some more carries. But um, we really liked his skill set again, um, similar to the one we saw, you know, with with McKissick, a guy that's got really good hands, very instinctive in the pass game. You can run all sorts of guys out in routes. It's not they can't do it, but some guys just have the feel like a slot receiver. It's it's the feel of what you're getting, whether to sit down in zone or you know run by your man. He's got speed, and uh, if, if he gets a crease, you you saw it. You know, watched a lot of Georgia football last year just because they were so good. Saw him play live twice. Uh, you can feel his speed with the ball in his hand. So Hayden. End of second round pick here for James Cook. Last year, Devin Singletary saw 50 targets. Zach Moss saw 32 targets. How should we handle a player that they just presented how he's going to be used moving forward this season? Yeah, I just want to echo exactly what Bean was saying there. There was a couple of plays where he was running double moves on the outside for touchdowns. Yep. Like this is a lot different than he's a check down specialist. He can get out in space. I think he's obviously going to be the passing down back here. Devin Singletary, that is not his skill set. Zach Moss has never been able to do frankly, either either role. But the problem is, is, is Devin Singletary is going to probably be the early down back. And we talked about this for years. This offense just doesn't use their running backs. You know, like they have Isaiah McKenzie to do some of the gadget stuff. They all obviously have Steph Diggs, the volume hog. They have legitimately three slot receivers. They have two tight ends. So I think James Cook is going to get uh, uh, overdrafted in fantasy circles. I understand the hope, yep. but at the same time, He's 5'11", 195. He had below average 0.22 missed tackles force per carry. I view him as like a better, more explosive version of Kenny Gainwell. I don't think that his profile is one that is the one that I like to target, especially in best ball tournaments. For me, it's hard to see how he has a top 15 type of ceiling. Uh, but for the the Bills, he's a great fit for them. I just don't see him having 20 touches in, in games uh, too often. It's really exciting anytime the Bills prioritize a certain type of talent or a certain player to be all in on them. And Devin Singletary, you know, there was that that point when they did flip a little bit throwing to their running backs because, you know, when he started hitting some checkdowns, Josh Allen, Singletary, I think, what, in week nine had eight targets, week 14, seven targets, week 16, six targets. He's just not good in that area. My question, though, like he's a tell right now, James Cook went out there and Look, J.D. McKissick on Washington attached to Alex Smith a couple years ago had, you know, 80 receptions on 110 targets. I know the name is what they were searching for and the type of talent, but the production is not going to mirror what he had there. The opportunity is not going to mirror what he had in Washington and what now James Cook's going to have have in Buffalo. And I'm with you and I don't want to, you know, just pinpoint someone and, and call them out. But I think ETR just did a dynasty draft. And James Cook was like the 10th overall pick and Kenneth Walker was the 12th overall selection. Like at least in my brain, how it works, Hayden is which back in this class or between the two is most likely to have like consecutive top 12 running back scoring seasons. And it's the guy we know that, you know, targets and receptions are are more valuable than carries, but it's the guy who's going to score touchdowns going to be in there for 60 to 70% of the snaps and easily, easily, it's Kenneth Walker for me in every format this season. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on that. I think James Cook's going to be a good player. Like, there's, I, I think he could be, he could be in that role. It's like the Tony Pollard, where like, please give him more touches. He's so explosive, but like, it's just there's something about his game that doesn't reflect 
that. So I think he's going to get steamed. Um, and I understand why you would want to believe in the hype, but this offense just doesn't use their running backs. Uh, I, got, I got another name to kind of throw out here. Khalil Shakur. Mm-hmm. Now he didn't get drafted until the fifth round, but I thought he was the consensus on him was much higher. He could be the slot receiver in the future. So if you're looking for dynasty, Jameson Crowder's on a very cheap one-year deal. Same thing with Isaiah McKenzie. If there's uh, if Jameson Crowder goes down, I think that Khalil Shakur can be a slot receiver. This t- offense uses a lot of wide receivers. So I think that Khalil Shakur, maybe in the last round of a couple of Josh Allen stacks, you can get freaky with it. But I think that in Dynasty, he's somebody to keep, in, keep your eye on just because he kind of fits exactly what the Bills want in their offense. They outlined him and described him as their number four, which is an inside-to-outside player, someone that can kind of step in and be the backup at every single spot, which makes us believe that Jameson and Isaiah McKenzie are battling out for the slot. And then you have, obviously, Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs on the outside. And boom, Khalil Shakur is, is your fourth guy. So I, I think exactly what you said makes uh, makes total sense. Okay. Cincinnati Bengals, um, we know that they have loaded up on offense in the past. This year, it was basically all defense, especially after free agency focusing on the offensive line. Defensive back in Daxon Hill in round one. Cam Taylor Britt, another defensive back in round two. Uh, a penetrating defensive tackle in Zachary Carter. Hayden, nothing new, I don't think, from, from this Bengals draft. But what we do know is that Trey Waynes was like the highest priced player on their roster last year, and he barely even played. Their defensive coordinator and Lou Anarumo has been like really, really good with middling talents. So just injecting some first and second round talents into that defensive back group could make this defense even more exciting. Yeah, meat, meat and potatoes offseason for them. Uh, they got a new center, a new right guard, a new right tackle and free agency, and then they upgrade to the secondary in the draft. I think it was a very smart draft. The thing I learned from from this is remember uh that offensive line coach i was making fun of on the yes. from last year you know remember he went to texas state yes i was doing some research he got fired at texas state this year <laughs> so this i mean the, the offensive line is gonna get way better we have the coaching upgrade from last year and then we actually have skill upgrades so uh jim turner didn't even make it at texas state for a year that's how bad the Bengals were uh in joe burrow's uh rookie season yeah ted karras knew at center Alex Kappa knew at right guard, Lyle Collins knew at right tackle, and obviously Jonah Williams is there at left tackle. And really, the competition is all for that left guard spot that they're going to look to fill. Okay, Cleveland Browns, another team with major moves this offseason, trading for Deshaun Watson. It's still unclear how many games, if any games, he's going to miss during his first year in Cleveland. They didn't have a selection until round three. It was a cornerback in Martin Emerson. Hayden, we keep going through this. Alex Wright, kind of more pass rushing juice because they'd love to have three pass rushers out there. And Jadavion Clowney is still an unrestricted free agent. And the name comes down to uh, David Bell at wide receiver, the 35th pick of round three, just at the end of round three. Had a lot of comparisons coming out of school to, to Jarvis Landry, kind of one of those physical slot players. Andrew Barry even got up there and said, yeah, man, he's, he's probably going to be a slot for us. Uh, there's not a lot of wide receiver talent on this roster. You know, they had a steal. I think we can now say with a marquee based on the contract and the compensation they gave up. There is an outside shot that maybe even an inside shot. David Bell makes waves during his rookie season. Yeah, it's the perfect fit. I comped him to Jarvis Landry as well. He's a possession receiver. And when they're using two tight end sets, uh, I'm not sure if he's going to get in because he's going to be battling Donovan Peoples-Jones. And Donovan Peoples-Jones is always going to be a low volume player, but downfield player. Um, David Bell could be that player that like it's third and seven. And it's time to win one-on-one and you just got to be 
uh, just smarter and more physical. David Bell fits that role. So I think he's going to be a three wide receiver set starter. He has to beat out Anthony Schwartz for that slot role. But Anthony Schwartz is a vertical slot player, super skinny track athlete. David Bell is the exact opposite. And I think just the way that Kevin Stefanski wants to run this offense, he's got the speed part with Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think David Bell is going to uh, beat out Anthony Schwartz, who hasn't done anything in the NFL. I think it's going to be Amari Cooper at uh, at Z, Donovan Peoples-Jones at X, and then David Bell into the slot with David Njoku and Harrison Bryant. That's perfect enough for me. I think it was the perfect landing spot for David Bell. Denver Broncos, no first round pick because of the Russell Wilson trade. We also know that they're still loaded at wide receiver after focusing on it for multiple years in the first and the second rounds. I'll throw out some names, you know, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, heck, even KJ Hamler got out there in OTAs and was impressing. Hayden, you also have Albert O, and they added a third round tight end in Greg Dulcich. I went back and watched just this day two press conference. So hopefully get something out of it. Got nothing out of it. No idea how they're going to use this. And we're going to hear all summer that Russell Wilson doesn't have a long history of throwing to his tight ends either. And they're still so loaded at so many places that, you know, Greg Dulcich might not have a, a huge, huge role here in year one. The thing to know about Greg Dulcich is he is the best UCLA skill player since mjd in 2006 i'm not even that's not even a bit i think that he's going to be the best one i think he can actually play he's a perfect seam stretcher it's not going to matter for his rookie season he still has some development get a little bit stronger but he's basically albert o when albert o came in you know it's like the same exact kind of profile um said i wouldn't worry about it if i was drafting albert o i think that he's for sure going to be the starter but greg dolchich is an interesting player and probably the best um since mjd really excited to see what the Broncos defense and offense look like this offseason. They added some pass rushers on the outside, along with Randy Gregory and a few other things to the, to that team. We could see a whole, whole new look from the, uh, from the Denver Broncos. Okay. Houston Texans. We know pick three, they took Derek Stingley pick 15 Kenyon green, which made sense. Hayden Titus Howard had his fifth year option. Those two guys, the tackles Kenyon green is going to be the interior guy. Makes total sense. Jalen Petrie. It's like a vertical, Versatile defensive back, play numerous alignments. Then in round two, John Mechie, slot receiver, injured during his final few weeks with the Crimson Tide. Um, we were joking with Nick Rudman, who's such a Patriots fan, that now the Patriots are going to have to compete with all the types that are typically Patriots-like from Nick Casario. And John Mechie really lines up with all of this. They went to Alabama. The Patriots are scooping up all the Alabama guys. That's going to be the Texans MO here. John Mechie, to me, uh, going to be a slot receiver. He doesn't have a, enough explosion to probably win outside. Now, he can win outside in some alignments, but I think that Nico Collins is your classic X receiver. Brandon Cooks is your, is your volume Z receiver, can kick inside to the slot as well. He'll for sure be the number one target in this offense. I like him in fantasy circles a lot. Uh, and then John Mechie, once he gets back to full health or near full health, he'll probably kick inside to the slot here. So uh, I don't have that much uh, expectations for Mechie. Um, I don't think that he was a, a necessarily a ceiling play coming in as a prospect. And now he's got to overcome his torn ACL and this offense a little bit. So for me, this is kind of just a winner is Brandon cooks. The offensive line should be better. Davis mills going into his second year and there's basically no more competition in the pecking order. So I think Nico Collins is a winner. Yeah, and I was going to ask if there's any love for Nico Collins because we're seeing him go anywhere from round 16 to round 18 to undrafted early on in Best Ball Mania 3 drafts, which you can all go and complete right now. Do you have a promo code for them, Josh? Promo code the show. First-time depositors, up to $100. We give it right back to you. Again, Best Ball Mania 3, incredible summer ahead. But why, why not draft right now? 
I mean, ADPs are constantly changing. And uh, get in early. Get in early. We got to talk about Damian Pierce. That's what I'm trying to pull up right now. Damian Pierce, there's a lot of love out there for Damian Pierce. And Hayden, we understand it. He never had more, though, than 106 carries in a single season at Florida. Never played more than 23 snaps in a single game. But, as we outlined pre-draft, forced 39 missed tackles on 100 attempts last year. He's a bowling ball of needles and just likes to run over defenses. Has an awesome personality. So, when the Texans, who what? They have Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead on their depth chart. When you see a fourth rounder, early fourth rounder in Damian Pierce, you get excited a little bit. And I think Nick Casero kind of read the room and understand that this is going to happen because his first statements were, quote, I don't think that this is going to be all about offense and who is going to carry the ball and who is going to be the lead running back. I think that's a bunch of BS. He has to earn the opportunity on this team, create a role of himself, and his ability to play on four downs, special teams, is probably more important. Thoughts? I mean, that's like classic Casario, though. You know, like, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Uh, Marlon Mack and Rex Burkett are both making $2 million this year, the same amount as the Best Ball Mania 3 winner. So I got to be riding with Damian Pierce a little bit. I don't, I don't want to get too over my my skis and here. And there but, were some real flaws in his evaluations. Yes, but he can pass protect, at yes. least, and he can break tackles. I don't think that he is necessarily, like, uh, has the best vision or has the most breakaway speed for sure. But I mean, you're only competing against Marlon Mack and Burkhead. I don't really care about Burkhead uh, too much. Um, it's Marlon Mack versus Damian Pierce. And I think that I have to go, I call it the mystery box theory. Damian Pierce in theory could be a good player. Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead at, th- at this point, we know exactly what they are. So I'm, I think I'm going to be ranking Damian Pierce as the RB one, but I'm not going to be like, he's now a ninth round pick or something like that. He's definitely is a, is a dart throw um at the very most and real real team preseason upside here with uh with Damian Pierce just as a whole the theme of the Texans draft was that they wanted just a bunch of physical players like the mindset that they were drafting was all all physicality and again Damian Pierce his I don't know if you ever watched any of his interviews personality oh yeah it's his energy he will continue playing when his helmet gets ripped off he exudes all of that so uh that's going to be definitely an interesting name to track um Again, there's a reason why he was rotated so much, I think, at Florida that like the coaches just couldn't trust him on the field to hit exactly the lane that they wanted him to. But like the pure, raw, individual talent that Damian Pierce has in terms of creating space for himself, it's so much fun. Let the it's record right. show that coaching staff did all get fired this year. Just <laughs> true. Maybe, maybe that's a Damian Pierce uh, thing. Indianapolis Colts. Some interesting selections here as well. Obviously, they did not have a first-round selection, but 21st pick of the second round, they took Cincinnati wide receiver, Alec Pierce, 6'3", 211. And Hayden, I actually want to couple this with their next selection in Jelani Woods, the ninth pick in the third round. Um, We know that Chris Ballard loves his athletes, and he loves size. He was asked about that, said it's easier to throw to – you know, wide receivers, even if they're covered because they're bigger than everyone else. But he just loves athletes. And over and over again with Alex, Alex Pierce, they think he can play inside and outside. And he just, quote, gets behind people. So they're looking for someone other than Michael Pittman to be a downfield big play threat. And hopefully they've had it and got it here in Alec Pierce. 
I think Michael Pittman's one of the low-key off-season winners here. They didn't add that much uh, aside from Matt Ryan, which is a perfect upgrade. Somebody that's going to deliver the ball to Michael Pittman on time. But Pittman is, I think he gets kind of mislabeled as like some like downfield jump ball specialist when he really isn't. Like he is like winning on screens and slant routes and like a lot of the underneath crossing routes as like a more of a classic possession receiver. And Alec Pierce is the exact opposite. I don't think Alec Pierce will ever be a high volume guy. He to me is just double moves and can win a little bit uh, after the catch on, on some crossing routes. But I think that's the perfect low volume compliment to win. Not necessarily like T Y Hilton because T Y played in the slot and Alec Pierce is like a classic X receiver, but he is going to be that downfield player. And that's perfect for Michael Pittman, especially because they drafted uh, Jelani Woods. They already had Kylan Granson. They have Mo Ali Cox. They have a bunch of other guys at tight end. We're going to see a lot of two tight end sets here. And it's just going to be Michael uh, Pittman and Alec Pierce out there. And when that when that's happening, we know that Michael Pittman is going to get a ton of targets. So I think there's like wide receiver two outcomes for Michael Pittman this year for sure. Chris Ballard always asks, quote, what is unique about this prospect? What is going to distinguish them in a league full of good players? Jelani Woods is, is his athleticism. I mean, he's a perfect 10. He's a perfect 10 athlete. I don't know if you've had a chance to go and watch him yet. I like a little bit. I truly don't know if Jelani Woods can play football right now. And I, I, I don't mean that like in a tongue-in-cheek way. It's just a bunch of seam throws down the middle when he's given a clean release and is to get down the field and use his size. And even when he has the ball in his hands, he like just doesn't look like he's ever touched a football. He's got like long life. limbs. It's crazy. And like moving like crazy. It's yeah. wild stuff. And I understand that like he's he's kind of new to football and just a massive man at 6'7", 253, and people like that just are are not common. But this is just a, a massive projection. If it hits... Yeah. It's almost like a one of a kind player. But I think like there is no there is no floor here with him really because yeah. again it's even when he was pressed like he had no clue how to get off of it. Even He's if the guy was position if he, to be fair. Totally. Yeah. Uh I am not surprised that Chris Ballard though is the one to take this chance because again, loves his physical traits, loves his physical attributes. And when attached to tight end with third round draft capital, Hayden, I think people in our space are going to go a little crazy here. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a best ball guy for me. He's just like not on the list. I I, I do want to throw out Bernard Raymond is the older prospect. Uh, he could start at one of the tackle spots uh, for the Colts, and he is you more pro ready. He's yep. he's more pro ready. So I like that fit as well. Chris Ballard's always doing uh, good things. Yeah. Uh, anyways, all of you go and watch Jelani Woods. It's uh it's an interesting, it's an interesting viewing. That is, that is for sure. And they just want to get more explosive on offense. Okay. Before we move on, like 70% of you who watch our videos now after a wonderful draft season are not subscribed. We appreciate you tuning in. We'd appreciate it even more. Thumbs up, subscribe button, and even click that little bell. Notifications. We'd love for you to be back here because this summer is uh is gonna be incredible. And Hayden, before we move on from the scene, we mentioned Michael Pittman. He's being drafted as wide receiver 21 right now. Again, we have a whole summer of rankings that we're going to do in a couple weeks here at wide receivers. That's sandwiched by Chris Godwin and Mike Williams. Give me, That's a lot of love me, for Michael Pittman. Give me Pittman over Godwin this year. Love that. Love that. Okay. Jacksonville Jaguars time. We know they had the first pick in Trayvon Walker. Length, length, length. Trade back in for Devin Lloyd, 27th pick overall. Um, there really aren't many skill position players to talk about here because they took a center in the first pick of the third round, another linebacker with the sixth pick of the third round. Then we get to round five, Hayden and Snoop Connor, who they trade slightly up for. The backfield in Jacksonville is a bit in flux right now with Travis Etienne missing his entire rookie season. 
James Robinson missing the end of the year due to an Achilles injury. So a name that's going to be on a lot of people's minds could be a fifth round rookie because we've seen it happen before in Snoop Connor. I did not get a chance to watch Snoop Connor, but I will be doing that. I think that he's a perfect dart throw in the 18th round of best ball mania three because both of these uh, running backs in front of them are coming back from serious injuries. Like list Frank injury has a high uh, aggravation risk. And then the torn Achilles, some players don't even come back from it, period. So um, I'm very interested in Snoop Connor. He was an early declare from the SEC and he has the size, you know, like that to me is like, okay, things are a little bit interesting. You're 222 pounds and the NFL told you to come out. Now, obviously his profile was like completely out of control because he's always a a committee back, but we've seen crazier things happen. This is like the depth chart where all of a sudden a rando could, um, could pop up. He kind of like looks like James Robinson. Is that kind of, kind of crazy to say? So I think, yeah, he's, he's in the mix. Just from their lips to our ears, uh, if health aside, James Robinson is going to be the starting running back on this Ooh. team. But there, there's like a whole slew of different iterations of how that can unfold because, you know, maybe James Robinson, and they even said it, he is on track and on schedule right now. He's actually been around teammates for the last three weeks. You know, we saw Travis Etienne out there in OTAs and OTAs and catching passes. But, you know, Hopefully health works out. And I I firmly feel that if all the positive buzz continues for James Robinson, that where he is going right now is really, really undervalued. But that's very easy to say early in May versus where things can end up in mid-August, let's say. Could you clarify what what they were saying about Travis Etienne? They didn't really say anything, man. Like, this is exactly word for word. Snoop Connor, it's about coming in and competing. Depends on where James Robinson is coming into training camp. Travis, too. So, again, while it's not explicitly said, there is a tier list even when saying one name before the other. They do not view Snoop Connor as just a short yardage back. J-Rob is on track and on schedule, been around teammates for three weeks, and that's it. So, like, ETN was supposed to be that versatile piece, the wide receiver, running back, receiving big play hybrid. And we even heard from John Shipley prior to the draft that even if Travis Etienne was going to be healthy, James Robinson had clearly, clearly, clearly won that job as a lead running back. Obviously, new OCs and new play callers and new head coaches have come in since then. But no doubt in my mind, James Robinson is like the superior player if health and everything checks out. So top 24 fantasy running back Travis Etienne is like on the do not draft list right now. I'm I'm in out. that department. And like James Robinson, again, where we are right now, a lot of things can change. James Robinson going is running back 41 right now. So you think this should be cl- just closer? Just bring those a little bit closer. Yes. Okay. Feed right, that fair. to me. Cool. Kansas City Chiefs. What an interesting draft they had, Hayden. A good one. 21st pick, slight trade up for Trip McDuffie. Had another pick in round one. George Karloftis. Pass rusher. Corner. Those are the two positions that we really outlined and verified that they were going to be targeting there in the top 32 picks. And then we scroll on down to the 22nd pick of the second round. I believe after a short trade down, it's everyone's guy, Sky Moore, coming out of Western Michigan. They said they probably would have selected him even before the trade down, Hayden. And really the the, the statement that stood out to me, quote, we have a combination of size, speed in the wide receiver room. We want to keep it simplistic. We just want good players because Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy will put them in a position to succeed. 
And Sky Moore is smaller, but plays big. So rather than searching for that one-for-one Tyreek Hill replacement, we know that's impossible to do. They just want to throw as much talent in that wide receiver room as possible, maybe have a bit more specific roles for everyone, and then create an offense around that. I like that plan. Yeah, just to, to get on in front of it, I thought the McDuffie and Carl Loftus picks were amazing. They fit premium positions. They they This team needs salary cap relief, and both of those players are power five early declares, good enough athletes, so they knocked it out of the park. And then the Sky Moore pick was a little bit of a luxury. We thought that he might go a little bit higher than that. I am curious to see how this three-wide receiver set is going to kind of morph together because we know that Juju is a pure slot, always has been, always will be. MVS is going to be that vertical field stretcher. He kind of is in that, like a Tyreek Hillish role. And not obviously not exactly, uh, but MVS is being paid way more money than Juju Smith Schuster is. That was something I picked up that Juju got like 3.25 guaranteed with incentives. I'm sure the incentives are easy to be earned, but MVS got money into multiple seasons. So I think that those two are going to be probably the two in uh, the, the main two. And then if Sky Moore can kind of challenge them, the, the weird fit with Sky Moore though is, He's not an X receiver, and this offense needed the X receiver. It's kind of like that Travis Kelsey role. He is either going to be a Z or slot receiver, and that's what MVS and Juju are. So I'm a little bit concerned that maybe this was more of a play for like the next year when Juju and MVS can get out of there. So I want to be a little bit tempering the expectations, but Sky Moore can play. Like You and I both believed in him. To me, I think that MVS is the one in this offense that is being underdrafted, and he's going to the moon this year. Yeah, to put context to that, Juju Smith-Schuster is being drafted as wide receiver 39 in Best Ball Mania 3, which just opened. Sky Moore is being drafted as wide receiver 52. And Marcus Valdez-Scantling is being drafted as wide receiver 60. That's More money, like a $25 million man who is a big play downfield threat when you don't have to predict when those big weeks are coming. I don't know what there's not to love. You know? Like, MVS is wide receiver 60. Let's get on board. He will forever be undervalued here, even apparently attached to Patrick Mahomes when, you know, they paid him a a, a ton of money in this offense, and he's going to be out there. Like, look, I understand teams started playing two high shells and that confused what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense did for the first part of last year. While they figured that out in the second half and in the playoffs, he also was top three in 20-plus yard passing attempts this past season. So while he had a lower A dot, lower intended air yards per attempt to start to figure out what worked underneath in the space and to take advantage of there, and they've probably done a better job of adding talents in that area, they're still going to throw the ball down the field. He still has a massive arm, especially outside of structure. Bing, bang, boom. MVS to the moon. Write it down. Get a tattoo of that. Sell some t-shirts with that. T-shirt. I love it. Yeah, I mean, MVS has been a top 50 uh, wide receiver in best ball points in the last two seasons. Like, And what happens if Travis Kelsey goes goes down with an injury here? Like, he's going to be, like, I think it's one of the most egregious ADPs there is right now. Me too. For sure. Totally with you. To your point on those two earlier picks in McDuff and George Karloftis, keep this in mind for future draft picks for the Chiefs. They specifically said that both players are 21 years old and they have a lot of upside. What we learned this year in round one, age really matters with these teams. It used to just be a handful. Now all of them are like, hey, we probably don't want to spend top 24 picks on 23-year-olds or 24-year-olds. And all those dudes were pushed to the end of the draft, end of round one. The linebacker that they drafted like with the 103rd overall pick, he's a 98th percentile athlete with a 100th percentile um, production. I don't understand yep. why the NFL didn't like this guy, but I think that if there's he, a sleeper, he's the sleeper. He's like a, a hybrid linebacker slash defensive tackle in some ways. So what they're going to do with him is they're going to play him on the strong side. They're going to move Willie Gay over to the weak side. 
um, which sure. then helps that, you know, linebacker group. He's as fast well. as hell, man. Fast as hell. Crazy athlete. Crazy athlete. We'll, we'll get to the Packers draft on Thursday. But to me, it's very, very fascinating how these two teams handled their post trade away, their primary wide receiver and how the Chiefs did it and continue to build versus how the Packers did it and really just brought in Christian Watson. But that's a conversation for Thursday show. Okay. Your Los Angeles Chargers. Not too much exciting here, Hayden. Round one pick, center slash guard and Zion Johnson, which was very necessary and almost certainly moves Matt Filer over to right tackle. And you have names like JT Woods, safety out of Baylor in round three. Isaiah Spiller in round four. This backfield, I'm not going to say is in flux because we know that Austin Eckler is a king and he's so good in that area. But what stood out to me, Brandon Staley getting up there and saying that we did a lot of work on the backs in this draft. Believe that Isaiah Spiller is a complete runner. Jimbo's offense is an easy one to transition to the NFL. We take a close look at forced missed tackles. Another thing to keep in mind for the Chargers moving forward. And he never, ever left the field, was a three-down player for the Aggies. Perfect landing spot for Isaiah Spiller. We have some limitations in his game. Didn't see a whole lot of explosiveness, but he can he can do everything. He can pass protect better than uh, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. He just didn't have that that same explosion. Perfect compliment on the ground. Uh, turns out uh, their UCLA Bruin uh, running back was not very good. That's what happens when you bat, uh, keep drafting these freaking Bruins. But yeah, perfect landing spot for him. I think that is a massive win. If the Chargers can get a right tackle, and they might kick Filer out, they have Slater. They have Zion Johnson, they have Corey Lindsley, and they have Matt Filer. If they can, they're one offensive lineman away from having one of the best units in the entire NFL, not just like a good unit, like one of the best in the entire league. And this is just more ammo for Mike Williams to go to the moon here. A win for Joshua Palmer, avoiding that third wide receiver. Everybody, like the Zion Johnson pick was good for everybody that's already in this offense. And, And like we're talking about like MVP bets, like Super Bowl bets, like this Chargers team has no holes right now. They don't, they don't have a single hole. It's just them not being the Chargers, which we'll see how that uh, turns out this year. I, I was going to ask you about that wide receiver group because I think all of us expected them to take a wide receiver at one point. If it was you know in the middle of the first round, if it was in the second round with a name like Christian Watson, they didn't take a single one. And so should we expect a second-year jump from Josh Palmer, who probably did his best work yes. in like Keenan Allen's role? You know, should we expect a a jump in relevancy week to week with Jalen Guyton? How should we proceed with an offense that you just call potentially like MVP caliber with the quarterback back there? Yeah, I think Josh Palmer is interesting because I think that he can play on the outside, the second outside wide receiver. Uh, Jalen Guyton's on a one year uh, $965,000 contract. So he's undraftable on Best Ball Mania 3. But I think Joshua Palmer is interesting because if Keenan Allen, who's been obviously has an injury history, getting a little bit older in age, his yards per route run, all those little advanced metrics that we look like uh, we're trending down. He, Joshua Palmer could be a great pick in, in uh, Herbert Stacks. But to me, Mike Williams is the one who's going to be, you said he's being drafted what, as the wide receiver 21 a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Ridiculous, man. Like he was already better than that last year when Keenan Allen stayed healthy. Keenan Allen is, is on the decline. I have Mike Williams ranked ahead of Keenan Allen. And I think that Mike Williams might be top 12 in my rankings. Joshua Palmer already being drafted pretty heavily. Wide receiver 68, that's just ahead of now George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. So, like, that's an area where I would go and attack. It's almost like a Van Jefferson-like I like that. pick, you know, where 
you know, at worst, he's the wide receiver three. But if one name goes down, then he's thrust into playing time, almost like wide receiver insurance and inside outside versatility. Yep. Like either if either one of the wide receivers goes down or if Justin Herbert just all, like throws 45 touchdowns out, out of control. Good. Then Josh Palmer can be in the mix. So I like it. Las Vegas Raiders, also a team that had no early round selections because of the Devontae Adams trade first round or first pick, I should say, was in the third round, 26th overall. Another guard and Dylan Parham. Let's move on to the next selection. Zamir White, running back out of Georgia, dealt with a whole bunch of injuries. They brought up that going through injuries gives you adversity and powering through it. And that's a trait. That's a skill. Um, Hey, actually, they traded up one spot ahead of the Chargers to take Zamir White. Knowing that the Chargers are going to take a running back and thinking that they wanted to get their guy. We just saw them decline the fifth-year option of Josh Jacobs. We saw the previous regime sign Kenyon Drake to do absolutely nothing. What do we do with Samir White? Because we know that a Josh McDaniels offense loves to run the ball. I believe they also have Brandon Bolden front, and that's obviously Correct. a McDaniel. But that was a special team, so I'm not worried about. Let's get rid of him. I think what happened here is uh, Drake and Jacobs are not under contract for the next season. If it, we thought that, or to me at least, Zamir White probably needs a little bit of development because he missed so much time at Georgia. So he's probably going to be the RB3. But I think that if Josh Jacobs goes down, Zamir White would kind of handle the early down work while Kenyon Drake would handle the passing down work. So he's draftable in best ball mini three for sure. But I think that he's a better dynasty play. I think that he could be somebody that all of a sudden we're looking at. He's like the projected starter um, in a pretty good offense uh, next season. So I think this was a win for Zamir White, probably in dynasty more than in best ball. But I still have interest. I thought he was very good. Yeah, I, I hope that the best ball is ahead of Zamir White. And he obviously split time a lot with, with James Cook. And again, was one of the best recruits coming out of high school. Just never really clicked during his time at Georgia. Miami Dolphins, another team that traded away their entire draft for good players. Uh, they had a third, a fourth, and two sevenths. Uh, their linebacker from Georgia in Channing Tindall is a speed demon at the second level. Just straight juice. They did take a wide receiver in round four, Eric Azukanma, who Hayden, I didn't even watch it all. And in fact, I didn't watch this press conference yet, to be honest with you. Uh, my notes for the Miami Dolphins is I got nothing. Yeah. I Very, though, intrigued to see how this develops this summer, because it's almost like when they signed Cedric Wilson, they didn't think that they were going to have a chance at Tyree Kill. Correct. And like where that fits in however tight ends they want to use how multiple the running backs can be. There's a lot of unanswered questions here other than us loving and knowing the talents of Tyreek Hill and Jan Waddle. But if it's enough to support both as, you know, top 12, top 10, top eight wide receivers, like they were both selected as at some point this offseason. They're also kind of stuck with Mike Kosicki because he's worth that franchise tag, but it's not necessarily the greatest fit in this offense. So this offense is like completely out of control. I've spent already some, some moments going through Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. That's going to be like a one-two committee. Neither of them have handled a big workload. So this is a hodgepodge offense that I think is going to be pretty fun to watch, but I'm not sure how reliable for fantasy purposes either or any of these uh, players are going to be. So, yeah, I think we'll, we'll have more time to go through this later in the summer. I know. I'm, I'm a little stunned that you're so out on Chase Edmonds on, on where he's going as running back 36 because to me that's like absolutely zero draft capital to to invest in, in that pick. But um, like he's he's one he's one pick away. And, and on our stream on Monday, our first draft, did you want to check that out? You brought up Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin's irrelevant. He's irrelevant on this team. No, I I, I agree with that. But I think that um, for these best ball terms, like we like have to really aim for a ceiling. And I just think 
he has a good odds of being like the RB 30 on an RB 36 draft capital, which is like oh. cool. But like, what does that get you? Like first place is making $2 million. Like is chase Edmonds going to win you $2 million? Zero chance. Right. I think it's in the range of outcomes. He's ends up as a top 16 running back this year. Like if Raheem Mostert goes out in game one, it's chase Edmonds role. And they've yeah. improved their offensive line too with Teron Armstead and a few other names. Yeah. His upside case take. is like being the RB 16. That's still not good enough for me. I'm sorry. Whoa. Okay, we have a whole summer to do this. Uh, New England Patriots. Um, Cole Strange in round one. Oh, yeah. He missed Charles McDonald's evaluation of that pick on our clips. Go back and find that because it's electric. Couldn't have said it better than myself. And then they trade up in round two, Hayden. And they trade up ahead of the Eagles, the Steelers, and the Colts. Two teams who also took wide receivers in that round in George Pickens and Alec Pierce to take Baylor speed demon Tyquan Thornton. And the reasoning for this pick, quote, if you want to get tougher, you get tough guys. If you want to get fast, you get fast guys. We are excited for his speed and big plays. It's a pretty seemingly big departure from how they've built this offense this past off, well, two off seasons ago, you know, with Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, obviously they paid a lot for Nelson Aguilar, but it's pretty clear that when they went back and reviewed the film, they just didn't create enough big plays on the field. Yeah, they needed to take a shot on one of these types of players. Let's get this out of the way. Tyquan Thornton, I have 501 drafted wide receivers in my database. His BMI is the second lowest, only behind J.J. Nelson. And I looked at the Dane Brugler uh, draft guide. The, he, they have wrist me- measurements, which I didn't even know existed. So I got the wifey, and I measured her wrist. She has bigger wrists than Tyquan Thornton. So he is like a rail thin. But my model kind of liked him because he's a 21-year-old four-year contributor at Baylor. Baylor quietly was one of the best teams in the country this year. And he led that team um, in receiving guards by, by 375, 428 uh, speed, massive broad jump. So he's basically Nelson Aguilar. Now, Nelson Aguilar is still making a ton of money this year. Right. Nuts. But that's going to be the competition. This, this depth chart, there's five wide receivers. None of them are probably... Very good. So I don't, I'm not sure how to stack this with Mac Jones and best ball. They do not care about anyone else's board except for themselves. Uh, and then they throw in Pierre Strong in round four, Hayden, a player that we talked about coming out of South Dakota State. Was comped by a lot of people to Raheem Moser because the outside zone and the speed that he brings to the edge. They added another running back in the sixth round as well. Um, let's outline this. Damien Harris last year. Second among all running backs in rushing touchdowns. Ramondre Stevenson showed a ton as a rookie and is now over that rookie bump that they must overcome on the Patriots system. You bring back James White on whatever contract he's on, and now you bring in two rookies as well. That's a lot. How do we how, how do we go through this? Well, the other thing is there's no fullback on the roster. And they asked uh, Jakob Johnson why that was the case. And they said that they're just not going to use a fullback, which means to me, they drafted a second round wide receiver. I think this team's just going to pass the ball. So I think they're like, we're looking at like neutral pass rates and like how this offense is going to be set up. Mac Jones was the best at Alabama when he was spreading things out, using a lot of RPOs and not going under center. So I'm wondering if we're just not going to see as many rush attempts here. And I think that Pierre Strong, you can make the argument that he could be a pass catching back in the mm. NFL and not a, a early down rusher here. So I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this uh, backfield, but it's probably going to be do not draft any of them. It's probably going to be a total nightmare 
And I think uh, Bill Belichick is back to trolling us uh, in the fantasy community and the NFL draft community. He's just out here. He's a big troll now. It's it's very interesting if they do a 180 versus what they wanted to be last year because we talked about all summer that they wanted to be bully ball. They tried to, failed, then went back to it and succeeded. Um, this might shock the viewers and the listeners. I'm out on Damian Harris of where he's going right now. Like He's going as, if I can find it, running back 26. Can't do There's that. There's no ceiling, man. It's the same. Like there just there really is no ceiling. And I think you have to throw in that Ramondre is just going to play more this year. Like Ramondre played a lot for a rookie in a Bill Belichick system last year, and I thought showed a lot of good things. And in fact, Hayden, I understand that they just brought in these two names that we mentioned, including Speed and Pierre Strong. I though wouldn't be shocked if one or both of those names picks up an injury at the end of the preseason and goes on the typical Patriots IR for the whole season. Yeah, for like sure. Damian Harris is out of contract after this year. It seems like it's headed towards him not staying on the roster, even though he's like really well beloved. If I have to pick one back of this group, context included, value included, it is uh it's Ramondre Stevenson is running back 38. I have not seen this report. It's probably not going to happen. But is Damian Harris a potential trade candidate if he's in the last year of the contract? They just did that with Sony Michelle. Like I, I haven't seen this anywhere, and I'm not sure who would even be trading for Damian Harris. But I wonder if that's like at least in, in play here. I, I don't. I, it's just going to be. Think James they just White. run him to the ground this year. I think they just run him to the ground. Possibly. It's possible. I think. I think that he's way better than Ramondre. Ramondre is explosive. Ramondre was a headache, and they, I, I thought that he was all over the place. He's explosive, but. Man, I'm not sure how much Bill Belichick wants Ramondre as a starter. Or maybe we just have to reset our priors on this entire Patriots backfield and just say, hey, they're going to try to do things differently. It's Mac Jones' time. They're going to throw the ball a ton. That's my early prediction. New York Jets. We know the Jets. Pick number four. I thought out of character, selected a cornerback when we all thought it could be an offensive lineman or, or a pass rusher. They said it wasn't out of character. It wasn't a philosophical change in Sauce Gardner at number four. They were offensive linemen and defensive linemen listed up there on their board near that pick as well, but that's the direction that they went. And at 10th overall, Hayden selected Garrett Wilson. He was a second wide receiver off the board. In their eyes, he can win in one-on-one. It's exactly what we talked about, creating separation, sustaining it with his you know, route running. And Buffalo, New England, Miami are all man coverage teams, and so they need to add a wide receiver to that group after chasing so many in free agency and trades who can beat man coverage. I hate myself for not believing the sauce Gardner stuff. Is there what defense doesn't prioritize corners in 2022? Like that was, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous statement though, that I was uh, under the belief of every uh, defense needs elite corners like sauce Gardner. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty upset with myself for missing that as, as for Garrett Wilson, very weird fit to me. Corey Davis is your classic X receiver. He's only under contract for most likely one year, unless he has a great season here. But Garrett Wilson's not known for his size and physicality necessarily. And Elijah Moore, this means that Elijah Moore is probably going into the slot, but they paid Braxton Berrios like low end starter money here. So there's a lot, a lot going on. They have Tyler Conklin, they have CJ Uzoma. Uh, they use a fullback a little bit. They have two uh, running backs. All of a sudden, this depth chart is like, it doesn't have elite talent anywhere. But they've got like decent talent like all the way throughout here. So I think it's going to be a very complicated team. I think there's not going to be a reliable player uh, in this offense. And I think that Garrett Wilson, we talked about how he might be a little bit more of a developmental first rounder. Like he has the the attributes, but might need a little seasoning. I'm not sure. I, th- I think that Corey Davis is going to be the one that kind of slips under the cracks uh, in best ball. Like that. 
Jermaine Johnson, they trade back into the late 20s to go get him. They said that they had top eight grades in all these players. And if you listen to the reports and the buzz prior to the draft, Hayden, you kind of buy it there with Jermaine Johnson. Now, he was never going to be the number four overall pick because they had four grades over him. But a top eight grade, again, if we can link the buzz, the late buzz of them and Jermaine Johnson, that does make sense. Okay. Then we get Brees Hall, the fourth pick of the second round. This is after using a day two selection on Michael Carter this past season. And while Michael Carter kind of had a passing down back body type, he is fantastic between the tackles and makes a ton of people miss. So again, they were even trying to trade back into round one to get Brees Hall. And they're trying to get four first round picks and land a running back there. Your thoughts on just spending back-to-back years, second day selections on the running back spot when you're the New York Jets. Not my favorite, but Brees Hall is pretty good. So I understand it. Um, Like you said, Michael Carter is an interesting kind of evaluation because he's definitely undersized. Um, But even going back to college, I think he was kind of typecasted as a third down back when Javante and Michael Carter kind of basically rotated drives. And he actually had a lot of early down uh, work and he can run between the tackles because his vision is elite, like very, very good patient runner. And I thought that he showed that in uh, as in his, as a rookie. Um, this offense is weird though because Michael Carter was only the RB nineteen per game in fantasy usage. They definitely are going to rotate these two, in my opinion. So I'm kind of curious what your thoughts on like Brees Hall and fantasy because I think that I think there's going to be a little bit more of a rotation than what we're expecting just because Michael Carter is so good and it's just like offense in general has been rotating these back. So I think this was actually a bad landing spot for Brees Hall yeah. at least for for this season. Typically, when you see a running back in round two, you think like they have a chance of commanding 70% of the workload. I don't think that that's the case if Michael Carter stays healthy at all. Could it be like Javante year one? Yeah, for sure. Uh, And what I really think it is, is they want to create explosive plays. They called Garrett Wilson a speed guy, and they believe that Brees Hall, like the hardest thing to do in football is to create 10 play drives over and over and over again. And they believe Brees Hall was like the best big play back in this class in terms of taking it 50 yards or 60 yards, heck even 80 yards because of the speed, because of his vision. It's what we outlined in a video down on the channel. And I don't know, like I understand like no tackles basically went from their selection in the twenties into almost round three, but with how many questions there currently are with Makai Becton, with how many, pieces they've added to wide receiver and now running back the last few years and how the defense, how maybe they've spent a bunch on it, but it still has questions to it. I love Brees Hall, but man, the one spot that has to be right for this team now is offensive line and namely offensive tackle. And if Makai Becton is not on this, like doing well and in the starting lineup, that's a sore spot that can continue to cripple and keep a Jets offense that maybe has a high ceiling now down a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that it was smart to not address it, though. Like, assuming that Makai Becton is, like, going to show up. he Apparently, he's rehabbing, and there's a little more context than that one quote that popped up before the draft. Um, but the upside case is Makai Becton comes back and plays and shows the, the flashes, and then all of a sudden, this right. offense is completely lit. So I, I was glad that they didn't go le- uh, left tackle with that fourth pick. Their upside case is having Sauce Gardner be an elite player, and then Makai Becton comes back. So... We're, we're rolling the dice here for sure, but I think that the, the upside case for the Jets was to bet on Makai Becton for one more year, and they have they can mix and match their offensive line. They got they've got other good uh, players on the line for at least this year. 
they were asked about paying in five years, you know, three first round picks. They called it champagne problems if it gets to that point. Second yeah. contracts for all of them. And you mentioned that they added Tyler Conklin and CJ Ozoma in free agency. They already added a Jeremy Ruckert in the third round as a tight end there as well. So it's a lot of bodies. Who, it's a lot of bodies that they have. Who finishes with the most fantasy points among the receivers? Just wide receivers, point blank period. Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore for me. And then Corey Davis or Gary Wilson? And how big is that gap for Elijah Moore versus those? I think it's, it's going to be pretty close between them. I don't know. Elijah but, Moore was very good last year, though. And I love. And this basically awesome. rules us out of taking Michael Carter at all, even though like we really, really love him as a player. This is, this is a lot of good players that we like that it's just the projections <laughs> are just not going to love it. It's rough. Okay, Pittsburgh Steelers. They're the only team in round one and round two to take a quarterback. Kenny Pickett, quote, this is a great day for the city of Pittsburgh. We searched the globe and we ended up with the guy next door. Um, it's basically came down, Hayden, to what you said. They viewed Kenny Pickett as the most ready to play. They use at times, you know, special and they liked his high floor due to his anticipation and, and pro accuracy. I think they realized that like, hey, we've added to the offensive line with James Daniels and a couple of other pieces in free agency. We've invested and did even more so in a couple of names we're going to talk about in George Pickens and Calvin Austin to go with Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, Chase Claypool. Our defense has a bunch of talent too. We need to get by at a better way than we did at quarterback last year. And Kenny Pickett is the closest to that in this year's draft. Well, the other thing is Kenny Pickett was actually a, a decent uh, prospect and all the other were, all the other quarterbacks were bad prospects. I, I didn't see with any of them. Um, I thought Kenny Pickett was the only one that had reasonable, like round one numbers. And obviously it came as, as a redshirt senior. And I understand the limitations with all that, but this is a, w- a win now roster and they needed a win now quarterback. And this is, yep. uh, they've got a lot of money on both sides of the ball. Um, I think that Kenny Pickett could be a distributor here. I think that he got typecasted incorrectly as well, that he is just like a Andy Dalton type where he's just going to sit in the pocket all day long. Nah, that's not it. Watch him. He runs around. He throws on the run. He has plus level accuracy. I think that it's a perfect fit. Uh, going back, Matt Canada, five years ago, recruited Kenny Pickett to Pitt. Correct. That's their new Never coached coordinator. Him, recruited him. Recruited yep. him. There's there's connections here. Kenny Pickett seems like he's going to be the classic stealer. I, and then we can talk about the ultimate ceiling here. But when you have Deontay, Claypool, Pickens, Najee Harris, Pat Firemuth, you're ready to go. 12 and a half games for Kenny Pickett to start in his rookie year. Over. 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 I, I think that he can start. Uh, early prediction, I think he starts week one. They they Mike Tomlin basically said it without saying it. And I looked back. Yeah. Trubisky, I thought it was like six and a half million. It's five and a quarter million yeah, guaranteed. Nothing. That's nothing. Nothing. And at the basic level, if you want to say what Mitch Trubisky does well, it's using his mobility at the quarterback position. Kenny Pickett can do those the same exact things. And Matt Canada didn't really get to unleash all the motions and the concepts and the movement that he had wanted to in the past with Ben Roethlisberger. And so doing all that stuff, it's going to be interesting. There were times where Kenny Pickett, they would have offensive linemen like four offensive linemen to the right of the center and only one to the left. And then Kenny Pickett would have to like literally move, like change the pocket. That's like kind of the athlete and like some of the, the weird Matt Canada stuff that we can expect here. So I think it's a great fit for Kenny Pickett. I would not be afraid to stack him up. I don't love quarterback threes in best ball, but I think that Kenny Pickett could be one of the exceptions. Nobody, there's not going to be a fantasy analyst or NFL draft analyst that's going to put their name on Kenny Pickett because he's the most boring guy in the class, but boring guys go a, a little undervalued um, in best ball. But he didn't go through his progressions, but neither did Ben Roethlisberger last year. So he's got, he's got the, the, the receivers to for yards after the catch. Let's talk about those wide receivers on day two. 
They added George Pickens in round two. And in round four, 33rd pick of that round, they added Calvin Austin. Two very different types, both play on the outside. You have George Pickens, ex-wide receiver body. So if we think after losing James Washington, who's going to fill in those three wide receiver sets, which we know the Steelers love to run, it's Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, if he's up for it. Where do they all align, Hayden? Because that they're all outside receivers. Yeah, that, that's what I have in my notes is who's playing the slot. I also want to throw out no Ray Ray McLeod. So there's no depth. There's no depth behind George Pickens. I think Deontay's going to kick into the slot. Or it's I either think it might be Chase Claypool or, in the or slot. It could be a big uh, slot, a vertical slot from with Chase Claypool. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's there's nothing about Kenny Kenny Pickett's game that makes him target one of these receivers over the other. It's just let the best receivers win in this offense, and we'll see uh, how, how that works. I think Kenny Pickett can throw the ball downfield better than Ben Roethlisberger the last couple seasons can. So uh, we'll see. The question I had for you, did you see George Pickens watch himself get drafted? No comment. <laughs> there's there's something up with this guy, but I'm I'm highly intrigued. The Steelers are the organization that could you know get these get these types of, 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 of players up to speed. Maybe he's a little bit Mark Davis Bryant. Is that out of control? I think Bryant is a little faster, but we'll see. Uh, something to keep in mind for the Steelers moving forward, too. They had a huge grade on George Pickens prior to his injury, and they just kept him up there. They just kept him up there. Once the pro day was all good, and I think they worked him out at his pro day, then uh, there was like, boom, we're going to draft you, dude. I love it. I think we're going to get some colorful language from George Pickens this summer in training camp. Just a... Uh, just a prediction. And Calvin Austin's a really fun player. Like, outside wide receiver, despite being 5'8", and he just has juice to get down the field, he could be someone who would be fun with the ball in his hands in those jet sweeps and stuff from, from Matt He Canada was too. the better version of Wandale Robinson. That was kind of how I was looking at Calvin. I think that that's totally fair to say. Okay. Tennessee Titans time. Before we get to any draft picks, we have to talk about the crazy A.J. Brown trade that happened. Obviously, as a first-round selection, he goes and gets like $100 million with the Philadelphia Eagles. John Robinson, it was a tough decision, had discussions back and forth and realized with A.J. Brown that they were a spot of the contract, that it was just too difficult to get the deal done. And then just in 18 to 20 hours, the trade was, was put together. Mike Vrabel, when asked about this, because previously in an interview with Rich Eisen, said that for as long as I am coach of the Tennessee Titans... A.J. Brown would be a wide receiver. He was posed that, Hayden, and boy, he got salty. John just covered it, Paul. Appreciate you reading my words back to me. I know you guys never coached a bunch of grown men that put a lot of time into it. I, I love all our players. I love A.J. personally. I know how John feels about him. Um, but very comfortable with how this, this went down and how uh, John and I were able to navigate I try to support him and make decisions. And unfortunately, you know, we understand that if we're going to be here a while, we're not going to be able to keep every single player that we draft and develop. And we're, 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 this is where we're at, and uh, we're excited to be able to be picking players tomorrow. Mike Vrabel, very uncomfortable with the deal that they got done. Yeah, so what happened here is the NFL is a salary cap league. But that does not mean that's a level playing field. Some owners have more money than others, and that's going to help with signing bonuses and guaranteed money and all that stuff. And I think what happened here is they just couldn't afford A.J. Brown with the contracts they already have with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and some of their defensive players. 
And I think they just couldn't afford him. And that's just basically what happened. There's the GM wanted him, the head coach wanted him, AJ Brown wanted it. So who who couldn't afford it? It was, has to be the owner. So I think this is just kind of a weird thing that happened with the Titans. Man, this is a risky, risky move with Traylon Burks, but I get it. I think I, I don't I didn't love Traylon Burks as a prospect, but I think if I was a Titans, you have to roll the dice, play for the upside because in theory he can turn into AJ Brown, but that's gonna require a lot of winning. On the outside, it looked, it was like, uh, Traylon Burks was like only like 18% of his plays were on the outside. He had 37 routes total as an isolated receiver. Guess what? In this offense, Robert Woods could have setbacks. He might not be ready in September. Could you name the, the wide receiver three? It's like Nick Westbrook, Akine. There's not a single other wide receiver that's being, making over not $2 million, $1 million. The second place winner in best one mini is going to make more than these Titans receivers. So Traylon Burks has to go win on the outside in year one. Uh, even if he's bad though, He's gonna get the targets, man. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be relatively in. I don't want to send him to the moon, but he has to he has to get looks. There's nobody else. I mean, what if if you're in your lab doing your Excel spreadsheets, you can't project Traylon Burks for anything less than 120 targets, right? No, it's scary, but that's how that's how it's gonna be. And he's electric with the ball in his hands. We outlined that in the full evaluation we did for Traylon Burks on the channel. So good with that big body and rumbling, and man, once his speed and he gets going, he runs by people. But in that same exact video, Hayden, we talked about how if a defensive back, when he's lined up in the slot, takes away that middle of the field, he has no answer. Like he he isn't able to create that separation and get to the point where he wants to be. And A.J. Brown is so good at that, man. Like he's so good at winning over the middle of the field, taking the ball and running with it. This is their version of the, you know, Stefan Diggs to Justin Jefferson trade, right? Like yeah. the Vikings being forced to deal away Stefan Diggs went back and got Justin Jefferson, who is maybe a top five wide receiver talent, maybe even any chance to, you know, finish the the year as the number one wide receiver in the league. Um, I feel less confident in the Traylon Burks thing. Now, could he also be a Mike Vrabel dude in terms of boar hunting with a knife? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's funny because even with the Titans, players who break out, don't even do it in really their rookie seasons for them. You know, they don't have a lot of rookies that contribute from day one, going back to, you know, the Derrick Henry days to, you know, Harold Landry days, you know, like now all those guys are the foundation and the face of this team. AJ Brown was hit or miss and wasn't a full-time player during that rookie year. That has to be different for Traylon Burks. He has to go in in order for this team to sustain where they were last year in the playoffs and being the best regular season team in the AFC. He has to hit the ground running. And that's like the big question that we all had in his evaluation. He is, he, to me, he was a boom bust prospect and he has to be good this year. Like that's just what it comes down to. So I'm, I'm not sure where he's going to end up in best ball mania three, but I know people love Traylon Burke. So I think he's going to get steamed pretty heavily. Uh, we'll see. The Titans don't have that much money, but I think that they are definitely going to be in the market to add another wide receiver. Um, I don't even know what type they'd be looking for. I guess like maybe Will Fuller or something like that if they can right. uh, as a deep threat. But they they need more they need more depth for sure. I mean, speak on the we we talked about it with the Falcons where in a span of 365 days it's without Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. The Titans though in the last year now they're without AJ Brown and Julio Jones. <laughs> Damn, that was your wide receiver. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, okay, other picks for the Titans. Malik Willis in round three, 22nd pick. They had been mentioned and rumored to do a lot of homework on this quarterback class. Um, and then they select him there in uh, 
in round three, we think he's so far away. We said it beforehand. He's really far away from making anything happen. But look, if I was in their shoes and the perspective they had and the performance that Ryan Tannehill put out there against the Cincinnati Bengals, one segment of your brain has to be thinking about the future. And at least it's a pretty good, I think, landing spot for Malik Willis to sit there and you know take some time and learn from that and hopefully get some reps in preseason and go from there. Yeah, I don't think Malik Willis will matter this year. Uh, they drafted a offensive lineman in the third round ahead of Malik Willis. Uh, and then uh, I was looking at Ryan Tannehill's contract. They would have 18, almost 19 million in dead money next year if they got rid of him. So I think this yeah. is a two-year plan with Ryan Tannehill. There's a chance that he gets extended uh, this offseason. And Ryan Tannehill, there's a pretty funny quote today. Uh, they asked him if like uh, if it's his job to like teach Malik Willis. He's like, Mentor. nah. Yeah. He's like, nah. <laughs> so I think he's kind of salty about it, but I don't, well, think, I, don't I, I, I think, I think people would be surprised at how often that happens throughout the league too. For sure. And it's an, it's really isn't his job. He, it, it isn't his job. If, he, if Malik Willis wants to learn from Ryan Tannehill, be, go be ahead. But like he was uh, the number one seed. Like I, if I was Ryan Tannehill, I wouldn't be that concerned. Malik needs multiple years uh, of development. Yeah. Believe the Titans drafted the most players out of the shrine game. Shout out Eric Galco. They added Chigo Conquo, who was a really good seam stretcher. Kind of in the ways that they've had their tight ends in the last few years. They brought in Austin Hooper, which I think is flying a little bit under the radar. Should we be a little bit oh, on Austin Hooper this year? Late, late uh, tight end twos. Oh yeah, love that. And and Chig is kind of like the uh, Anthony Ferkser in some ways, or maybe even a John Smith in some ways. Even though John was a pretty good inline player towards the end of his time there in Tennessee. Talk about Hassan Haskins, the most Mike Vrabel pick I've ever seen. Hassan uh, Haskins. He was injured, but he still went to the combine and hit 27 bench press reps, which is out of control. Uh, and then uh, in the power five last year, he had 10 more carries with nine defenders in the box than even the second most. This guy is a tone setter power back. And if you look at this depth chart, they got rid of Darrington Evans quietly. Hassan Haskins, if something happens to Derrick Henry, man, this guy is going to be fantasy relevant. He is a power back, no questions about it. And uh, Dontrell Hilliard might be more of a, a third down option. And Hassan Haskins, I think, should be going in best ball mania three. If Whoa. something happens uh, to old Derrick Henry, I think Hassan Haskins is going to be uh, certainly in the mix. And they had a Kyle Phillips, who another UCLA guy, kind of like a slot wide receiver hybrid type. Um, I realized in the Chiefs, because a lot of people are going to watch this video and ask about it. We brought up Sky Moore. We brought up a few of the other players. We didn't talk about the undrafted free agent. They just brought in Justin Ross, who it seems like went undrafted mainly due to medicals. They've signed off on that with him. Um, I even went back to Justin, not to pile on the guy, to his freshman year stuff, and I didn't love what I saw. I thought he was just kind of a slow player. But again, once an undrafted free agent like that lands with a team, with an offense and a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, people are going to get excited, should they? I mean, he's hoping to be the wide receiver five. They got Michael Hardman as the three or as the four. So he's hoping to be the wide receiver five. He'll, he'll, he'll compete with uh, Josh Gordon. Yeah, I think that's a... Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that he pulls it off, but it seems like the injuries are just... It's a lot. Is there anything that I missed today? That was over an hour. I took way too many notes. In fact, I'm through about probably 12 of the 16 press conferences and have 3,000 words written down already. So uh, I love that column. Oh, I got, one, I got one, one last note. Yep. Uh, going back to the Cleveland Browns, uh, they also drafted Jermaine Ford in the fifth round, and he's their current RB4. Just going back to the Kareem Hunt stuff, like they 
they obviously have Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb on a, on a healthy contract. They have Dearness Johnson. Uh, they gave him $3 million this year. They have Jerome, Jerome Ford and then Kareem Hunt. He seems like he's the trade candidate under the radar. Kareem, yeah. Uh, Kareem Hunt, uh, all $6 million of his money. A lot be. of investment for the Browns in the running back position. Yeah, the Jerome Ford thing was like the icing on the cake. I was like, okay, something, something might be up here. Final take. It's a top 10 running back he's going on right now. But let's say... Deshaun Watson suspended four, six, eight, maybe even longer games than that. Nick Chubb is running back 10. Kareem Hunt potentially getting dealt. That's going to be a ton of work for Nick Chubb ahead of him. And we know what the offensive line can be. I'd love that selection right now. Yeah, I'm I'm always a fan of Nick Chubb and especially half PPR best ball. This isn't full PPR. This isn't anything crazy in half PPR. I think he's he's a fine pick. He's going to be going in the third round sometimes. And if he is, you should draft him. I'm I'm so in. I mean, the name's going ahead. DeAndre Swift is going ahead of him. Alvin Kamara running back eight. I might flip those, Hayden. Yeah. I might flip Nick Chubb and Alvin Kamara right now. Yeah. And Nick Underhill thinks that Alvin Kamara is going to get suspended. We'll see. All right. You all can draft right now. We're going to be mentioning it every single show. Best Ball Mania 3 just opened. And day one, it filled 1%. 99% to go. It's crazy. Um, in fact, just to put this into context, it's all because of you. There were more entries in 12 hours on day one in Best Ball Mania 3 than any day during last summer for Best Ball Mania 2. That's nuts. Um, you all who draft and enter these games, we love talking about them. We love watching it. We love seeing your teams that you post on Twitter. So keep doing it. And thanks for uh, thanks for playing on Underdog. If you love puppies, enter Best Ball Mania 3. Because if we're pacing to beat uh, uh, Best Ball Mania 3 and it's going to fill in like August, we're going to keep launching puppies uh to keep it up there so and if you have a, a good puppy idea throw it in the comments below we have a lot of uh, ideas we obviously have already built super flex but if you have a crazy uh puppy idea we are we open listen to it uh so go throw them in the comments find our dms but uh youtube comments i'm 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 hoping we can find another like user submitted idea for a puppy draft going all the way back final note on the baltimore ravens on day three uh Jim Harbaugh ran camps like all over the world for football, like in New Zealand, maybe in Africa, all these places. And their fourth round pick, the massive offensive tackle coming out of Minnesota, attended one of those camps. And then Jim Harbaugh found him, went to IMG, committed to Minnesota, and now the other Harbaugh, Harbaugh drafts him in the league. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool stuff. All these little stories that you get are, uh, and if you've never watched David Ojabo's uh, draft Prescott or draft phone call, I should say, from Eric DeCosta and Company. It's a good one. Go and check yeah. that. Isn't that that prospect? Isn't he like six eight, like three ninety? Oh, or yeah. just a massive dude. He's gonna—he's the heaviest player in the NFL. Heaviest player in the NFL. Just a bunch of tanks that the Ravens draft. All right, everyone. We'll be back on Thursday. Damn another long show ahead. Another long show ahead. Going through every single NFC team, and there's a bunch of good ones. There's a bunch of good ones. Go and check out the rest of the channel. Appreciate you subscribing and hitting that notifications bell for all of this. Okay. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the villa. We'll talk to y'all soon. See ya.